Yeah. <laughs> We're here. We're Ooh, doing this. A little pound. Let's do a double pound. Double pound. Oh, let's create a little secret handshake. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Oh, patty that, cake. Oh. No, this is my, me and my sister used to have a, a secret handshake. Okay. And this is it. Megan, if you're watching, see if, tell me if you remember this. It's like this. Back, back, this. One, two, three. That's pretty good. Yeah, me and my sister used to do that. That's fun. Yeah, totally. I've probably created like a million secret handshakes with people in my life, and I can't remember one of them. So that's impressive that you guys remember it. Church of Chill needs a secret handshake. Yeah, like a way that like we're a secret society and you mm -hmm. like nothing like, creepy though, you know. Nothing creepy, uh, and and nothing that noticeable. It has to just be a subtle a subtle th uh, take on something you would normally see people. It's like a hang loose and then a pound or something. Yeah, or like a or or pound yeah. then. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's yeah. That's that's the Church of Chill uh, secret. Because if you shake. did that to someone who wasn't in the Church of Chill secret hang and shake, they would. It's not weird. You'd just be like, oh yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Oh, you do that too. You so say you do that often. You know the church? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know the good church? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We really got to establish it as a real church. I know. It's um, like I we're really... so fucking crazy. Everything is just, I mean, every life just happens so fucking fast. And, you know, it any, really and anytime it slows down for a second, I feel like. You just need to catch your breath. <laughs> I, I'm just like, like I'm very precious about that space. Like it slowed down a little bit. This is life. That's my life. Like yeah. I, that's when I want to just hang out with my girls and do my thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I miss our girl mayor. Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. We're, uh, we're Sean and Cass, very ape. Yeah. Thanks and for joining. Thanks for joining us. We're out here in Abu Dhabi doing some work out here. It feels good. Yeah. It feels really good. It's a cool place. Way yeah. cooler than I thought. Way cooler than we thought. Really cool people. When Everyone's we got this gig, I was like, our client doesn't want to do this. <laughs> it, might, it might be true. It might be true. Like, you know, in the, going to the desert in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it'd be a lot hotter than it is. So I've, we've been really lucky. It'll get hot. This is a mild, this is a mild week. Even, Everyone keeps saying like, this isn't bad. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I'm you're like. Drenched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, which, um, you know. Like, like Mayor, Mayor said, like, all you got to tell yourself is free sauna, you know, and, and I do. And I appreciate that because I love sweating more than anything. When I don't like sweating is when I'm fully clothed <laughs> and when I'm sleeping. That's it. That's the only times I don't want to sweat. No. And most of your life, you're either fully clothed or sleeping. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, back in the States, I don't care. I'll rip my shirt off anywhere because I'm like, fuck you. Free the nipple. Like, this is what I'm doing here. I'm like, is this legal? Are you allowed to just like, I, I, it's probably not in good taste to it's just rip your shirt off It's definitely a here. lot more liberal than other Middle Eastern countries. But they kind of said yesterday, they're like, don't take your shirt off here. Who said that? Allah, you know, our local fixer. Because uh, you said, can Sean take his shirt off? No, she just, I think, has gotten the vibe that you like to take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was like, tell Sean, don't take your shirt off. <laughs> no, I know. It's crazy. But we're out here. Um, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's cool being overseas. It's, um, uh, I'm very grateful. Very, very, very. No, this is so grateful. exciting. Our last big job was also a travel job that we were like, whoa, our life is so cool. Yeah. Like maybe this wouldn't have been the first place we would think to come to. But like the fact that we're coming here on a job and getting to meet all these local people and they're taking us to their favorite places and we're doing the most interesting and fun things like, damn, it's like couldn't be cooler. Yeah. yeah. 
It's crazy. And it's like, sometimes it's, it's good to just settle down for a second and be like, how did we end up here? You know? Cause, cause I've, I've done a lot of really cool, big international travel jobs. I still feel like a failure. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to feel like you're failing at what you love doing. I think it's the in life. The professional capacity of it, you know? Yeah, but that's the life of a freelancer. Yeah. It's like you have a job, you're like, I'm on top of the world. And then, like, however much time goes, we're like, there's no call because whatever. It's just the ebb and flow of the, the nature of work. And you're just like, will I ever work again? Will someone ever call me again? You know, yeah. it's like this trust fall into the universe that. Yeah. And a lot of times I think you and I will put energy out there like trying to get drum up business and it doesn't come back directly correlated you know Mm. um but I have found that like okay we're like let's commit to trying to get work and we'll like email a bunch of people and stuff and and usually those aren't the people that end up giving us the job but the universe heard us being like let's do this yeah and then something random like this will come across but this was actually from us like you being like keeping your ear to the street as far as like people that might be interested in working with us and they were like yeah yeah no i know the way this one went down makes me feel like we've probably missed a lot of opportunities (laughs) for not just being slightly more proactive there's there's this puritanical version of me about our our art and it feels like that gets compromised when I have to do commercial jobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I beat myself up about it and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be the guy that pursues those things, this and that. But, you know, the the truth is, it's like, it's, it's all art, you know, I'm the art mm-hmm. and the way I see the world is, uh, I think unique and different. And I think I can pull things out of people. And I think when we work together, it's fucking magic. It's, it's insane insane we watch magic take place in front of us and we get to film it yeah and uh yeah but the the way the way it works is is very mysterious thank god we have enough of a sample size now uh to know that it's 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 mysterious and it really comes more from us just having the most positive attitude and investing in ourselves time and time again and it seems like every time we make a movie whether it's directly correlated to that movie we get a gig Oh, yeah. The universe definitely likes to reward us when we're like, hey, we're just going to put this movie out for free on the Internet and see if uh, anyone likes it. Oh, yeah. The angels love a free movie on YouTube. That's what I'm mm-hmm. determined. I'm I'm at, not determined. I'm at that place where I'm like, this is definitely what's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. And you know what the angels hate? I think bitching and moaning. I think they don't like that. I think they like a, uh, they they like a, my song in general, but they don't <laughs> like that part of it. And when I get in the bitching, moaning, victimhood narrative, it's like the angels are like, let's let them fucking fry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's let them go to the bottom with this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But um, yeah, we're 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 very lucky. I, I would say that's the biggest the biggest factor in how we're here. If you go back to the beginning of the whole thing, I feel like the biggest factor is luck. And I just want people to understand that, uh, that I'm not like thinking that I'm fucking God's gift. That said, I am fucking God's gift. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We're so good at this. It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate how good at this we are, you know? And it's, um, we, we can kind of be so uh, cognizant of that fact and confident of ourselves that, yeah, We'll make a little money off a commercial and say, fuck this. We're not pursuing work for until we are completely out of this money. And that's what we do every time. 
We won't take on a job until we're running out of money. And we also, when we take on a job, we want the person to, or people or company or whatever to want to work with us because we have a lot to offer. So if it's not appreciated, that's like kind of a bummer. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, it's rarely not appreciated. I, I think. Well, because we're always working with people who want to work with us. We're, we're always working with people who um, reached out to us because they're a fan of ours. But then it changed. It, it's, it's, then, then it's like, um, they hire you for that, but then they want you to a lot of times just be a sock puppet. And this one's cool because this this one feels like in line with um, some of our films and stuff, doesn't it? No, it definitely is like kind of this hybrid travel doc, yeah, thing that we're uh, I think gonna establish a way of approaching this that hope we can do many seasons of this. So. I I think we could do many seasons of this and. Um, other things like it that take it a little further mm-hmm. in the in the travel doc world a little deeper i think i think the travel doc world is like um like criminally underexplored mm-hmm. i think i think you watch them and you kind of just see the same things pop up over and over again and the same types of attitudes and the same scripted this and that and like we could take it much further and we can i think focus in on themes that people wouldn't even touch otherwise mm-hmm. and like uh yeah we have oh, we have some great ideas that I think w- once we see how this relationship with this client plays out, like they're already saying, like pitch us ideas and like, let's see how this plays out. And if this one goes well, I would love to give them some of our ideas that like we've been sitting on for a while waiting mm-hmm. for the right thing to come along. So I, I think that is uh, the the main thing that makes me feel confident right now, even though we've gone broke over the pandemic. Right, we are rich with friends and ideas and motivation right now. And that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, a lot to be grateful for. So luck, huge factor. <laughs> huge, wouldn't you say? Definitely. But then also just like uh like Michael Jordaning this shit. You know? Like like how you, you were saying the other day, you're like, Michael Jordan never pictured himself losing or missing the shot. He only pictured his uh, the the success. And I was really good about that. I've been really good about that. Yeah. Even before I met you. Like just to to even have the boldness to say like I want to be a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I didn't get accepted to any film schools. Right. You know, <laughs> like, and and then to come out of a, a cinema studies program, having watched every movie known to man, and I have this I have this language that I understand deeply in my head, and I want to apply it, but not being able to yet because I had to go out there and work. But in your mind, you're still I'm a director. In my mind the whole time, since I'm 16, I'm a director. I'm a director. I've never directed anything, but I'm a director. <laughs> I'm a director. And not even knowing what that means. Uh-huh. Not even really knowing what that means. I'm a director. I'm a director. And I didn't really do it. Um, like, I got to do it for hire at History Channel a lot. Like, I, I got in there, and I was, a, I was a writer, producer, and then they would send me to direct stuff. And that was my film school. I got to, I, I learned a lot of skills uh, on someone else's dime, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I had enough skills, I found a subject that I liked. I filmed them. I made a seven minute short documentary. I put it on the internet for free. And I had mononucleosis <laughs> from making out with babes in Williamsburg. <laughs> and so I was like just sitting in my house for three weeks. And during those three weeks, I noticed like, oh, I could apply this to Sundance. I didn't even know they, they accepted short films. So I, I applied to Sundance on a whim, and then months later I get a call like, "Hey, you got accepted to Sundance." That changed my whole life. Mm-hmm. Again, luck, like some ridiculous amount, like six thousand fucking short films got submitted that year, and like I got in there, like it was crazy. When I got into Sundance, uh, 
I got signed to make commercials. And so, there, you know, there, there was there was confidence being infused in the process. Of, like, my first thing got recognized uh, on the highest level it could get recognized. I got nominated for a fucking Emmy. Remember we went to the Emmys? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so, just believing in myself and just just saying, like, my uh, it might not all happen at once, but the people who see the world the way I do will really appreciate what I do. And as long as I keep putting it out there, and try to slay that inner perfectionist that wants to be the best filmmaker of all time right out of the gate. Um, and, 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 and instead just be like, you know what? All my work is going to be a chronicle of, of me growing into being a great filmmaker. And I'm, I'm still in that process. You know, everything we do as we finish it, I'm like, I'm so much better than that now. <laughs> and, I cannot, and that's what keeps me motivated to keep going out there and doing it. Yeah despite the ups and downs of our finances and where we live and, uh, you know, how we make money and all this shit. Well, I think there's that consistent thing of like, I'm always focused on a project. I'm always, I have a, I have a film in my head that I'm looking to capture, you know? Yeah. I think that's the God we serve. You know, the priority is, is like, okay, how can we make art, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're very, definitely very grateful for the commercials and that they come, but I don't think we would, we don't serve those gods. Really. I don't, still don't think, and I think that's probably why the commercial work comes Few and far between. Well, yes, but also after we put out a movie, because we didn't make the movie being like, we need to make this movie so we can get commercial work. Yeah. We're just like, we just noticed that like, oh, when we devote our energy and time to our creative pursuits, like we luckily, the resources show up for us to get through another month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God. And it's, it's insane how it seems to continue to work out, but. I think a lot of people could look at our life and say it, it didn't or it doesn't, you know? Yeah, well, I'm like, <laughs> we're not out of the clear. We're still in the red. Yeah, and, totally. And uh, we're, uh, but to at least just feel like, oh, there's positive momentum. And, but I, I don't know. Yeah. If you're alive in America right now, the idea that you're not getting crushed by inflation, I think we all are like. Oh yeah. We take this job on and we're like, cool, we're going to make all this money. And then inflation happens and you're like, cool, we're not going to really make any money on this, but okay, we're going to go do it. And like. Just kind of, again, just like showing our guides, showing the angels, showing whatever fucking force is is flowing through this universe and keeping everything connected. Like, we're here for it. We're not Mm -hmm. asleep at the wheel. The gods we serve are the gods of connection and art and creativity. And we'll do that in commercial capacity and in a personal capacity. But besides that, divest from everything else, you know? Like McKenna always says, like, Stop paying attention. Stop paying attention to culture. Like it has nothing to do with you. Just di- divest from that whole thing and do you. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the best thing we could do is because we're, we're getting hypnotized and pulled in a million different directions and indoctrinated into serving gods that don't serve us. And it, you, that, that's when you got to take a sober look at your life. Uh, if you feel like you're being pulled out of alignment and you're an artist, and I feel like I'm talking to somebody specifically right now. I don't know who it is, but I feel like I feel someone receiving this. Like if if you feel out of alignment because you feel you're an artist and you haven't been able to do it yet, take the chance, do the thing, do whatever you got to do, get scrappy. Cass and I don't come from money. And a lot of people that make films, that is the prerequisite, whether they admit it or not, mm-hmm. whether they admit it or not. Usually if someone's making films at any kind of a clip uh, and they don't seem wealthy. It's just because they're hiding that fact, you know, and, and we have been wealthy, but we may, we're self, we're self-made, you know, we really, 
I mean, that is my mom's very, she's very proud. She's like, I'm getting to this place where I'm like, kind of need to ask her for money. And all she says is, she's like, I'm so proud. You've never asked me for money. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she said, don't make me ask. <laughs> don't make me ask. I'm mama. like, I'm starting to need money. <laughs> nah, we're not going to need that. We're, we're, we're going to be fine. No, yeah. I just think good. of like, oh, we want to, we need to fucking help buying a car or something like that. Oh, it's, uh, like I mean, that. look, and, and you I'd have rather take a loan from her than from yeah. someone else, you know? You, you have to laugh at it and you have to, um, when you look at the circumstances of our life and anyone's life over the past two, three years, it's just like, are we just got fucking put out of business by a goddamn pandemic that still no one's explained what's going on when it's going to end when we can, you know what I mean? We, that fucked us up to not be able to do anything for God, it was over the a year. Best time though. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. You got to flip <laughs> it on its head and you're like, Oh, everyone got the necessary respite that they needed from this fucking madness. And we got to kind of uh, relook at our priorities a little bit and not feel obligated to produce, 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 and yeah. instead, like, just fall back a little bit. There's this whole thing about how people don't want to work, and I don't really believe that. I think people do want to work. They just want to be valued for their time and effort and energy that they put into the work that they do. Like, I want to work more than ever right now. Yeah, me too. I'm, um, we're, well, we're very capable. We're, we're, we're too fucking capable. You know, a lot of times our skills aren't even fully utilized in these things. This is a good one. This putting our skills to use in a lot of ways. You're doing, you're doing the job of 20 people right now. No, it's okay. Uh, You know, it it is, but I'm just like, you're so unbelievably competent and talented. You are a top tier documentary casting person. Thanks, Sean. And it's not even in your job description. You're just like, I'm a producer. No, like you are a, you find subjects. I like doing it. I I am finding that I like doing it. You're so good at it. Okay. I told you years ago when I first met you and and your mom was retiring, I said, you two should open a fucking, a real person casting agency. They get paid a lot of money. I love that. And your mom's really good at it and you're good at it. And she did her whole career as, um, market research, market research, like standing in front of test groups and like finding people and finding people that represent brands and and being like a brand consultant. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it goes far beyond, um, making money. You know, you you find the people for our films, like you connect with them, you know, you, you hold space for them so I can come in and do my thing and I could just be a cool guy. Yeah. Maybe one day I could just do that. I have mixed feelings about producing. Sometimes I wish like there would be someone else who would do it and I could be more of a creative producer, executive producer. But then sometimes I'm kind of opinionated about how things happen. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) You're you're like me. You know, if if you want a job done right, you know, you're going to do it yourself. And And I don't always do it right, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah, but you do it your way and we do it. We do it. uh, We do it always. (laughs) Yeah. But it's it seems like um, you're getting better at it. And it seems like every time I suggest when you seem overwhelmed and I'm like, hire people. I'm like, wait, just hire people to do the stuff you don't want to do. You're like, eh, yeah, no, but I, but then I'm gonna have to explain to them like my way of doing things and all this stuff, and I, I get that. So you, you end up taking on the job of many people, and it's why our company's been able to be as profitable as it is, and our company's been able to be, our company being as profitable as it's been on these jobs, funds our films. This job ain't a profitable one, but we're in Abu Dhabi. We're, we're like on a honeymoon right now. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. You know, we're we're running. This is our one down day, but like. Our down, our, our, our work days aren't, it's not work. We're, we're hanging out with locals and just doing the coolest things we could do around here and filming it. Yeah. It's what we'd want to be doing anyway. It's like, ah, oh shit, I got to figure out how to go wakeboarding. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I got to figure out how to rent a yacht. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they're, they're fun problems to have. You know? Totally. And that's what I just always have to. And, uh, you know, I always, there are always these producers that were, that you would work with. And I'd just be so in awe of how chill and calm they are. We well, still are. We still are in awe of those guys. Oh, totally. I'm not saying that. I, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I find myself more stepping into like, oh, I could be like that person one day. Totally. And I think you reminded me, I was like, well, they had, when you started working with them or meeting them. They were like, in their 50s. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> they've seen it all. I'm not saying they probably didn't start off chiller and calmer than I am even, but. No, that, that's what makes you chill and calm. Uh, it's having seen it before, experienced it before, knowing that like, mm-hmm. okay, knowing that you did your job, I think a lot of, in in work and in my line of work it's like what the fuck do i need to remember and making sure you don't drop any balls and when with more experience you kind of juggling becomes easier because you know what the where the balls are and what needs to happen when and stuff like that yeah yeah these jobs used to be way harder for me because like i said i I think i was bringing in a puritanical spirit to them like no i do things a certain way this and that and it's uh, like the fact of the matter is is the exploration takes place in our personal projects and then you apply the stuff and take formulas from that to, to, to do here. And I can, I can do that. And I can say now I see, I used to not know this and I used to feel a lot more nervous and I would be so nervous going into a shoot. Now I don't even know how I could get nervous about a shoot, you know, cause I understand what it is. It's like, we're going to get visuals and audio and we're going to put those together. <laughs> like, and, and I can figure out how many shots we would need for this kind of thing and what kind of music and like it's, uh, you know, like it, it's all pretty, I don't want to say formulaic, but like I've broken it down. I, I've done this so many times in so many different places that I understand the spectrum of things that could go right and wrong. And now we're taking on doing our own sound. So, and now we're running our own sound, which is a first, that's the, f- this is the first job we're, we're, we're doing that. You know, there's just, there's not a budget for a sound guy. So it it is what it is. But if we now can include that on the, in our tool belt that we can do sound that f- think about how much that opens up our personal projects think about how much further we could take this next we're gonna have to learn how to do video <laughs> yeah but i love collaborating with a uh someone with a met. cinematographer too much they're yeah. they're my favorite you know I, I all the cinematographers we've worked with are they're our best friends and uh yeah, I, I love that too much. Like, a, you, you don't collaborate with a sound person. They just go and they do their job. And if if you're watching a film and you notice their job, they didn't do their job very well. Yeah. You know that that's that's a job that's a job that should just not be noticed. And that's like like I was talking to my friend Liza, who's a documentary director. She's like, you should hire a sound person. You just don't want to have to think about that stuff. I'm like, yeah, no, I would love to. <laughs> I'd love to. We just don't have the budget for it. So. <laughs> but this, like, I think where is most important is um, for us doing our own sound and being able to like kind of make sure that we can do this is for the personal projects because we don't when you are hiring a sound guy every day the length of time you can even spend shooting or it's limited is limited because yeah, remember sweet nothing like we're filming someone taking lsd that's a 12-hour experience at least and you know we have a sound guy for 10 hours i think he would have stayed longer he would have stayed longer but but it's like then then we got to like it's weird it's yes, just weird it's to be weird. like yeah we, we we agreed on a day rate for this many hours like to ask someone to do something above and beyond that it's just not the way i look at people i don't you know i don't want to take advantage of anybody so it is what it is we had them for 10 hours we did our best and we got we got the movie and but yeah if if we were doing sound i, I don't know i think we could step into a new dimension yeah we have some plans coming up yeah oh my god we have 
so many cool projects, so many cool things. Like I, what I really wish we had, and I feel like we've been on the cusp of this a couple of times is like, um, a rich benefactor, somebody who really believes in our art in particular and wants to keep seeing the world through our lens and somebody that will, you know, say, uh, I'm giving you this amount of money per year to produce a project. And I'm the executive producer of that project each year. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be really cool. Yeah. And they can come on the movies with us if they want. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. we could get a house where we, they could be part of the edit. I don't know if anyone in their right mind would want to be part of the the edit <laughs> process that, you know. It's it's fun to me that's the most fun part of it, you know. It's it's the where it's the part of this where I feel most in my element is when we're putting it together in post. Totally. It's it's what I have the most experience with because mm-hmm. way before I started shooting, I was uh a producer at history channel and i had to basically i was a promo producer i had to produce promos for history channel shows that a lot of times were barely even finished so they're just sending me scraps of footage and i'm just figuring out how to make the show look and feel like something that people would want to watch so i've just worked with countless editors countless days you know so many things so that that's that's where i have the most experience and then and I started to get out there a little bit more and wanting to shoot and wanting to direct and stuff. But really, um, it, I can be as cool as a cucumber on set because I know how good I am in the edit. Mm-hmm. Like I can, like, there's there's nothing that that could frazzle me about what we're doing out there. There's nothing. Oh, we blew it. We didn't get that. Oh, fuck. And it's like no. I I know I know exactly how to put these together. I know exactly what I need. I know exactly what's going to work and what's going to make you feel this way and what's going to make you feel that way. Yeah. So, yeah. We're very lucky. We're yeah. very blessed. It's a it's a count your blessings episode for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Delicioso. Yeah, we we need to be drinking constant water here. Yeah. We're it's sitting in an air conditioned room and I'm drenched. I think that's yeah. You went in the bathroom the other night and they had like the different pee test flight. Like they were like, if it's this color, you need to drink like a glass and a half of water. Yeah, that's um, every bathroom in Abu Dhabi. Every public restroom has a little, a little sign in there that says like, "Hey, if your pee is, you know, it, 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 it just you shows." You gotta imagine that like at a certain time of year, especially here, is that you know that's a risk. It's dangerous, yeah. And that that's probably what most people end up in the hospital for is dehydration. Yeah, I, th- I think most people just anywhere are pretty dehydrated. That's like what happens at festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's. Uh, it's it's why a lot of drugs end up sending people to the hospital at festivals. Right. Because it's exacerbating. Yeah. The drugs give you um, the, the ability to dance endlessly and you're sweating. And right. you don't think you need anything when you're on those drugs, but your body so definitely does. you feel does. amazing. Yeah, you feel amazing, but you're, it's, uh, you're tricking your body. And you need to still, like, those drugs are even way better when you're taking care of your body when you're, when you're using them. So... Not that we use drugs. <laughs> Definitely not in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This is a drug-free zone. I did see, though, that before we came out here, it didn't affect us because we just were like, we need to play it safe. But that um, I would uh, that the UAE is now saying that they'll just dispose of weed if you 
flying like, with it. Yeah, like if you got caught flying in with weed that they're like, oh, we'll just confiscate it. Yeah, but the guy we were working with is like, I wouldn't trust that. They'll take you right to the jail. I yeah, wouldn't trust yeah. that at all. Yeah, the, 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 the drive, I was like, look, we didn't do it. We wouldn't put our client in, in danger like that or ourselves. Well, we would put ourselves in that kind of danger. If this were a personal project, I might have done it, but <laughs> we would never put anyone else in that kind of danger. But he was like, oh, he was like, if they... He's like, I don't know what those articles are saying. It's weird because we found a bunch of articles that were like. I think they are trying to like, this is like one of them. They're trying to appeal to Americans. They're trying to say like, hey. You don't know, be you scared. Don't be scared to come over here. And and, and really, uh, um, we're Ooh. here. Don't be scared to come over here. Yeah, definitely don't be scared. <laughs> There's nothing to, scared to be scared about to come over here. It was this like the easiest awesome. customs. It was the easiest everything. Yeah. Every, everything feels like the U.S., like a lot of times when we tra- mm-hmm. you travel abroad, it f- you feel like the energy of like, oh, I'm in a foreign country. It feels yeah. so foreign. Ireland and England feel more foreign than this. Because probably because they're old cities, so you're not only just Portugal, traveling. Portugal felt way more foreign than this. You're like in this like rich history, and I'm just saying yeah. like this is like kind of in a deserty area that's like a newer construction. So it just feels ve- it feels very comfortable because it's like very familiar. In it's a lot it's of very ways. modern city. You know, the, the picture like a like a sterilized Las Vegas with no traffic. Somehow the cheaps were like probably not that much more than flying to LA and the, the cheaps. Ho- the, uh, oh, the flights. What did I call them? The yeah. cheaps. Cheaps. <laughs> Some of the cheaps. Yeah. No, the, fl- yeah, the, the flights weren't that bad, but yeah, it was, it was interesting that our, our driver was like, uh, I wouldn't go ahead and I wouldn't go believing that stuff. He's like, if they found drugs on you and you arrived here, he's like, there wouldn't even be a conversation. Somebody would scoop you up and take you straight to jail. Yeah, probably not worth risking it for another few years until stuff really laxes. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. Let's let someone else be the canary in the coal mine on that one. Well, it seems like the direction we're going, UAE is going to be more liberal than the USA. Mm-hmm. So I'm very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um. yeah, but the, I mean, and then it, like we, we were like, well, does anyone do drugs here? And he like, he almost laughed at us. Like, of course. Yeah, but I really meant that genuinely. I did too. I was very, I was actually I'm, curious. I'm like, everything here just like, it doesn't feel like there's a drug problem here. Well, and we're at like the hotel area. and go, we, We've driven around now for a week. And I'm like, this doesn't really feel, there's not a homelessness issue here. I don't, no one's homeless. There's no homeless people here. As, yeah, as far as we can see, yeah. Where would the fuck would they be? There's know. no homeless people here. They take care of the people here. Yeah, no, it definitely everything's subsidized by oil money. Every, it definitely feels like this is the place you go where stuff just works. Yes, like you're just like, yes, exactly. shit just works here. Yeah. They have the money to make things work. Yeah, they were like going around on the flight on the way over, like taking Polaroids and like. God, the flight was a damn pleasure. Oh, it was geez. crazy. Like, yeah, it was. It, it, but but I was like, what's the deal? Do people do drugs here? And he's like, yeah, man. And I was like, do anyone smoke weed? And he's like, yeah, people smoke hash, smoke weed. Um, but it's very risky. And I was like, who are these dealers? And he's like, the dealers don't even live here. Yeah. The, the, the way that it works. And this is an interesting, like if we, if we had to make it a, like a personal doc, this could be an angle. If we had to, if we had to come here no, and like, just, I'm not, I, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, it's, it's too risky. But like, basically if you, and, and well, he said the main drugs here that people abuse are meth and pills, which, which actually surprised me. Um, yeah, I thought I was like, meth. Meth? That happens other places. Yeah. (laughs) Meth ain't even a problem really in New York that much. Like, you know. No, I didn't mean New York. I just meant like the States. No, I know. Um, But yeah, I was kind of surprised that that meth and pills were the issue. And he said the way people get them is like, you'll you'll text a drug dealer that you never meet face to face. They live in Pakistan and they've 
hidden bundles of drugs all over the place and they'll just send you you text them the money and they send you the cord and that's jesus i think it's hilarious i think that's hilarious that's the future of drug dealing definitely you send it in on a drone to some weird place and oh my drone yeah drone dealing yeah totally yeah no brainer no brainer that's how you should at a festival yeah oh totally yeah festival's so easy to get drugs into if you can't get drugs into a festival you have a real problem no i don't even mean getting them into the festival once you're at the festival then be like oh i'll deliver to you you're you know <laughs> yeah yeah isn't that wild though like the drug dealers don't even live here you never meet them it's That's not smart like, it's really smart because it, it doesn't matter if you have like a gram or like a kilo you're gonna you're get 25, 25 years, years. Uh, uh, so it's really not doesn't th- seem like anything could be worth that this risk. kid told us he was like i wouldn't trust my best friend mm-hmm. when it comes to this stuff He's like, I, and I don't, and I tell my best friend I don't trust him. And if I had drugs, I wouldn't tell anyone. You, like, that's how crazy it is here. That being said, it's not like cops are patrolling the street. They're like, it literally, he, he said the way our culture is, he's like, you don't even need to get slapped. This is enough. He's yeah. like, we all respond to that. He's like, he's like we, th- that's. That's how people would be given out, like, someone's name, you know? You know, like. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Someone comes back like this, you don't even have to hit you. And, and they'll, you'll give it like, up. You'll be like, you're like, oh, it was yeah, this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like the, the fear is fully baked in in terms of that stuff. Yeah, and 25 years will put that kind of fear into you, well, won't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Not that I think that that's the way people should be treated, and um, that's the way consciousness should be regulated by governments. But, oh, yeah, definitely not. Um, obviously, we're very much a- against that. But you know, uh, I'm I'm also not one to fucking come in and say like, here's how some culture should. Do. You know, like this is a different culture. There, this is a whole different side. We're on the opposite side of the world mm-hmm. from where we belong. Uh, so it's not my business if if they want to have a drug-free society they should go for it i think it's next to impossible though i think it is impossible to have a drug-free society i think certain people um most people need to alter their consciousness in some way there's a lot of acceptable forms there's a lot of legal forms even here but uh, like i mean you go to a hookah bar i'm sure if i did that that would be the highest i've ever been in my life (laughs) yeah (laughs) do you want to go to a hookah bar no no i can't i think i'm done with nicotine yeah fully I think uh, even you even did your dance. I fully did my dance with nicotine. Luckily, it was a short one. And, and, and even as you were doing it, it was kind of crazy, given that your dad smokes so much and that you've like for so long known yeah, how addictive know. and disruptive like it can be that that you ever picked it up at all. I mean, well, it, was a, it, it snuck into my life in other forms because it wasn't jungle medicine. It was, it was through jungle medicine. Yeah, I, I got it through Hoppe. It was really the first time I ever messed with with anything containing nicotine and. I was always against smoking. I could go I for a even... nicotine salt right now. Ooh, those Ooh, things are so just, good. Just have it take me down. <sighs> <laughs> well, for me, it started with the hop, eh? And then spliffs. Because before that, I would never even hit a spliff. If someone had a spliff, I'd be like, get that away from me. And after the hop, eh, I'm like, I'll, tr- I'll try that spliff. And the spliffs took over for a while, which destroyed my lungs. And then to get off the spliffs... I started doing these those little Zen pouches, which I'm sure if anyone's been watching the podcast for a long time, you've seen me do a million of those. If we got here. you into them, we're really sorry. Oh yeah, don't get into those. Don't get into that shit. I never did. I never did vaping, nicotine, or anything like that. But but those little pouches were were very addictive. And uh, like you say, I don't want to have to be relying on on something on the day to day. Oh yeah, I hate that feeling. Like I need something. I, like I have to do it. Yeah, like oh, I, yeah. I I need some. I'll feel better when I do the thing that I need. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I mean, like 
It's still giving your power away. It is. I don't want to do is. that. I'd hate when anything has power over me. Yeah, nicotine had power You're over me. You're the only thing that's allowed to have power over me. I'll let people fucking totally hijack my nervous system. <laughs> Drugs, though? Like, come on. You yeah. know what I mean? I'll let love and fucking all the spectrum of emotions that humans can offer do that to me. That's cool. They're the best drugs. But actual drugs, like a thing you have to go pay $6 for every day, like, fuck that. Some Like, that's not that much. People have crazy addictions that are way beyond that. But, like, that's what I was doing. And I was like, this is insane. I don't need this. And the way I got out of it was just saying it's it's preventing me from evolving to where I need to evolve to. It's making my problems too simple. You're stagnating. I'm stagnating because when an issue comes up, instead of dealing with it, I'm popping one of these things in my mouth and it's making me feel better. And that can be very useful if you're panicked or something and you need to calm down and it's like, oh, cool. Chemical intervention can kind of just... But when you're just doing that all day, every day, like chemical intervention after chemical intervention, like, I don't know. I just feel like you're setting yourself up to not evolve the tools you need to... um, to fully be here and comprehend what the hell's going on. Totally. And and nicotine is such an innocuous one, especially when it's not in its smoking form. No, I think the problem is for people who have more addictive tendencies. Like, I think, honestly, for me, if you see me having a panic attack, go get me a nicotine pouch. Like, honestly, we should. That should be in my tool belt. Not that I... I don't know. We do it. We we used to do it with Hoppe. We've been cool, and neither one of us But I don't... Yeah, because I think, for me, it doesn't... It's not... I don't get addicted. I just, like, it'll, like... Yeah. But I guess that's probably because I'm, there are more people like that are hijacked every day. Like you're so sensitive yeah. that like the things that get you worked up happens more often. So that's, you know, I think something like I that. I can't have a fucking sip of alcohol or caffeine. Really, I can't really drink anything except water. Like mm-hmm. this is how sensitive I've become. This is probably how sensitive I've always been. But I used to just blast my system with orange juice, sugar, fucking this, this isn't it. And now it's like I've I've become so sensitive, and and you start to to cut the things out that were like desensitizing you a little bit, and and polluting your temple, and you become more sensitive, and you become more sensitive to the world, and you become more sensitive to your needs, you become more sensitive to your impact on the world, and that's what I'm after. How am I impacting this place? How am I impacting the people around me? What's my vibe like? If I'm all out of sorts and I'm popping nicotine all the time and this and that, like, I know I'm I'm not myself. I'm not vibrating at the level that I want to be. Well, and it's also I'm, you- I'm not knocking anyone that does anything. Like, you do what you got to do. I'm just speaking from personal because I smoke weed on the daily, uh, you know, obviously not here. But but that's the whole thing. I don't need weed, clearly. Like, I I just, it's like, cool, I smoked weed until the day we got here and then it just stopped. Have I been? No, you've been great. If anything, better than ever. Totally. You know, like weed ain't an issue like that for me. It it really just helps me stay funny, have an appetite, and sleep. Yeah. Those are important things to Beautiful. keep your things going yeah. smooth. <laughs> so in order to, I don't have an appetite because I'm not on weed while we're here, but I'm able to sleep because I'm up in the sauna here. Uh, well, I'm out in the sauna of real life Abu Dhabi, but then there's a sauna upstairs in a gym. Which, so. of course, you're like, let's do the sauna. Oh, I wake up, I run five miles, I go lay out in the sun, then we go shoot all day in the sun, then we come home, I get in the sauna, and pass out. And that's the only way I'm able to sleep, because my mind's too active otherwise, you know. or It's really my body. My body just, like, doesn't want to take that level of rest that it, that it needs. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm, ju- I'm just learning to self-regulate a little bit better uh, as, as I get older. I don't know. 
I think people think we're younger than we are. They, they, you know, the, the people we're working with, at least, like they hear me saying this stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you don't drink, you don't, you don't have caffeine, you don't smoke, you don't. How do you party? How do you?" I'm like, "I'm fucking forty years old, you know. The party's over. <laughs> my my party is, uh, my life's a fucking party. My life's a fucking party. Listen to the podcast we did with Lacey, like, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, someone put up a, maybe it was Jerry Saltz or something, a Venn diagram that's like create uh, art, you know, 25% in, in 1970. It was 25% art, 75% uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now it's 25% art, 75% social media. And I was like, mm, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny because right now my, well, because th- the person who sent it to me is like part of the art group that I'm part of. Mm. I'm like, right now, my life is 25% sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and 75% social media. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. God. Well, and, and that's that's another addiction. That's that's an addiction we need to take a look at, because it's not um, a chemical intervention. I guess it is. It's like a it's like dopamine, false dopamine, bo- dopamine hits. You know, it, it's another thing that's preventing you from fully evolving and blossoming, I feel. Um, is is that tendency like nicotine it's very much like nicotine it won't stop you know like the spirit of nicotine is such a fucking jealous bitch anytime you go to do anything else it wants to be there it wants to take over it wants to it wants you to think about it first and social media is the same way no matter where you are you will see people looking at their fucking phone no matter where i am or how fucking hallowed and sacred it is i will still look at my phone i will still i could be in the most interesting thing ever and after a certain amount of time usually an hour you know, there, there'd barely be an hour go by where i wouldn't look at my phone mm-hmm. but again I, if i just leave it in the car or leave it at home which we which we do a good amount of time i don't even fucking think twice about it it's not like oh i'm untethered oh i'm going through withdrawals like why the fuck am i doing this thing all the time no it is very re- relieving when you leave your phone somewhere else me? No, just anyone. Oh, anyone, yeah. Yeah, for me. Yeah. No, it is. It's 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 a great feeling. It's, it feels like true freedom again. It feels mm-hmm. like you're you're not beholden to these things. And and like for me it's just like I don't even have anything on my phone except Instagram and Twitter. That's it. I don't use my phone for anything. I just have Instagram and Twitter on there. So if I'm looking at my phone, that's usually what I'm looking at. Well, sometimes you're like, I'm only doing songs on Spotify. Oh, well, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify is the main thing I'm doing on there, but um, in terms of social media, it's, it's Instagram and Twitter. And even on Instagram and Twitter, I've, I've muted every single person in my feed. So like when I open it, what I'm suggest what I'm subjected to is literally whatever the fucking algorithm wants to feed me to compensate for me having hidden every single person. And the reason I hide every single person is so I don't feel tempted to go look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, you got to just delete it. I was so good at not doing it. And then for casting, I was using Instagram mm. to help find people for this job. And yeah, it's been hard to, and now I kind of feel like, Oh, I should, what if someone hits me up on there? Even though I'm talking to everyone on WhatsApp, I'm just yeah. like, kind of like, Oh yeah, that that's a tough one to break. That's like, uh, going to be the addiction that the next generation has to deal with as they go, as, as they move ahead. And I think eventually we'll look at social media the way we look at cigarettes. There's something that's really bad for you for from prolonged exposure to that years and years and decades is really bad for you and what what cigarettes are doing to your lungs rotting them and just causing fucking 
death and decay. That's what it's doing to your spirit. And that's brain. That's what. That's what. But more more than your brain, your brain can handle it. It's 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 causing death and decay to your spirit. You know. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's confusing you. It's confusing you. Think of just think about what we were evolved for. It's not this. It's not this level of information. Being bombarded with this level of well, information. Well, it's truly the opiate of the masses. Yes. Like, yeah. there's been a lot of opiate of the masses. This First opiates. <laughs> <laughs> TV. Um, religion. Religion. Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, now social media, for sure. Social media, yeah. Yeah, fuck. I do love it, though. I love, like today I saw my friend opened an art studio and started a new flower business and i learned that because i saw an instagram post no i i love it it's just um you know like like anything when there's a profit motive behind it it's going to become you know co-opted and just oh my god it's hard all that there's so many clothes i'm like and they like kind of know what i wear or something yeah it's like damn yeah i mean it's it's cool because it's helping us in the sense of i feel like now when there's a shooting in texas it ain't just their problem. It's a global no. issue. And that, you know, like, that's cool. I think we're more connected in that way. I and think I think it has helped us evolve because um, I'm not going to try to get into the shooting or anything. But when I was in high school, Columbine happened. That was 1999. That was my senior year of high school. The Columbine shooting happened. That was like the first big mass school shooting in the United States. And... um there was a lot of fixation on who were these kids and, and their names, they were made to be famous and their names were plastered everywhere and their faces were plastered everywhere. Trying to understand how Trying to understand them and and just really thinking about it as in these individuals. And now, I don't even, we don't even hear the names of these people anymore or if we do, we don't remember them because everybody kind of um, rightfully, I think, goes to more systemic blame and shame, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that ultimately is a good thing if these things are going to keep happening that that the, the conversation gets it it's steered away from like well that's that's a bad seed that's a bad person it's like his parents were divorced <laughs> yeah 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 or oh he played video games or oh that that's the problem and he did this and that the, the, the conversation around these things when it first happened obviously was was very um unevolved and now it's it's more nuanced, and I, I think now we're taking into account a lot more factors, and I think people are looking at and questioning systems more than they ever have, and that's what we specialize in. You specialize in it. Very much. Yeah, definitely. That's what I do. I'm a fucking... I'm on this wheel. You'll follow the rules. I'll follow the rules. <laughs> I'm a rule follower. Yeah. I mean... um, yeah, so it, it's yeah, it's interesting, and I think that's because of the internet. I think because we're more um, connected, and we can hear stories of people from all over the world. As much as of a negative impact that's had on our nervous systems, it's had a positive impact on the way we view each other. And I think ultimately, if it gets channeled in the right way, it can be a vehicle for compassion. Just the fact that we have access to all the information in the world, and anyone in the world, and like no one's really disconnected nowadays um in that way but we are disconnected um from the land and each other and um yeah it's uh that that shooting is just such a tragedy and we we did a couple false podcasts uh before we got this one where we tried to talk about it and it was too hard so i apologize if anyone's offended that we didn't address 
the however many countless next whatever school shooting that just happened in the United States. It's a complete disgrace. And as Americans traveling abroad, it's uh, especially mortifying and embarrassing because people ask us, like, why, why did that? What happened? Why did this happen? Why does this keep happening? And um, it's just, yeah, like you're saying, this America's sick. Like, yeah. there's a sickness. And you can see it because of the amount of opiate uh, deaths, yeah. uh, from the amount of shootings, the amount of just there's a lot happening where it's, we're screaming. Yeah. Screaming for help. Yeah. We're desperate. We're really hung out to dry mm-hmm. in this society. Yeah. And they like it that way, or that that's like mm-hmm. um, a much more powerful position for people with money to be in is for the people who don't have money to be scared of having even less money. So they mm-hmm. won't fight for more money because the risk of them having less money is too scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the America prays to the the gods of greed and exploitation and violence and death and that's what our country is all about and our our two biggest exports are violence and like our culture and the violence is who we really are and the culture is who we think we are that's our two main exports and we really got our hooks in the world with our with with our culture stuff. Like, you know, we come here, you know, these are kids from halfway across the world. They've never set foot in our country, and know everything about it, and know everything about our celebrities and our movies and our sports. And well, because they're cool. Because yeah. you know what's cool about America is that people from all across the world have gone there. Yeah, you know, and it is cool because it isn't a homogenous um, population. Yeah, you know, and, and we're pushing off of each other and we're competing with each other and we're creative. And I don't think but I don't think we need um, economic desperation to be such a big part of this equation. No. And I think it's um, unfortunately killed a bunch of artists. And yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Countless artists. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And and countless people like it just. Uh, yeah. The amount of homeless people, the amount of incarcerated people, and to call ourselves the freest country the world has ever known, it's it's just such a joke. It's just such a joke. When you have to incarcerate that many people to call yourself free, like, doesn't that feel like a compensation? And you don't have control over the decisions that affect your life and yeah. your body and your mm-hmm. consciousness and what medications you're allowed to take. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to take plant medications because they want you on the... <laughs> yeah. Well, because you might question things. That's really what's the most dangerous thing about also, pot. Also, you might not need the pills. You definitely won't. You kidding me? You know? Like, there, there's, there's, there's plant allies out there that could help us through this, and a lot of people need them. I think I'm one of them. You know? I think most people could use a little something to help get them through. A little something, something. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I choose to take is um, floods me with the divine feminine. And the things that are legal flood you with masculine energy and dominator energy. That's the stuff that's encouraged and illegal. And and the stuff that kills you and the stuff that, that just um, makes you just a, a lump of a person, just incapable of doing anything except pursuing your next fix. And uh, increasingly, that's what more Americans are, are. That's what their life looks like. They need something to get by because they're dealing with a litany of ailments 
from being poisoned by their environment in so many ways and just from every angle we're getting poisoned and um you know people need stuff to try to to try to help right. navigate that and the things that really help people to to do something about it i think are illegal and the the, the things that help you question and and navigate that are illegal and will remain illegal because they're a threat to the status quo and the status quo will be protected at all costs and we have not even begun to see you know we haven't even begun to see the the fight that's ahead of us and the powers that be would much rather see a civil war than a changing of the guard and that's scary when you think about america going to civil war now there are more guns in our country than there are people I well, think I think most people couldn't even wrap their head around that. I'm pretty sure whatever side has more guns will win very fast. Yeah, it seems so, right? So. It seems so. But but the the war is being fought on so many battlefronts that um I think we're blind to a lot of them. And obviously, the, you know, the one that really is the most attention grabbing is is the violence with actual guns, but there's being there's violence being inflicted on us from every angle every every person that every institution you thought you could trust you cannot the doctors the fucking just just name it the capitalism corrupts it corrupts everything profit motive corrupts all the food products we consume yeah you know they're not created with our health in mind they're created with making sure our taste buds rely on that and need that yeah exactly exactly that yep you 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 serve your taste buds to spite your temple and and we're and we're taught to keep doing that and and we're you know we're, we're our our education system is a fucking joke and it, it, it's there's been a concerted effort to try to defund public education in every possible way i mean i saw it when i was in school they just started taking out arts and language and music and all those types of things from school i was in a rich school district you know i was in a, i was in a, i'm in the biggest school district in uh in new york state i believe lakeland school district one of the biggest in new york state and um yeah they just they're just taking programs away one by one just saying, oh, we don't have the money. Teacher salaries suck. Every, you know what I mean? Like, we don't pay these teachers. We don't pay for their supplies, and now we want to arm them to protect the kids. It's insanity. Yeah. Well, cool. like you've been saying before, you're, like I'm like, we were like talking about common sense, and it's like there is no common sense anymore. Yeah. Oh, we just got to fight for common sense gun laws. Like, okay, there's no common sense, so I don't, I don't know where we're we're starting from there. So you got to start with the common sense of realizing. I can only, and this is, uh, you know, the, the Jack, the Jack Cornfield saying that gets repeated ad nauseum, tend to the part of the garden that you can touch. That's you. That's, that's me and you. I, I can touch this part of the garden in your life, our parents, our siblings, our friends, our little community. Well, that's our garden. I'll say, I think the garden is bigger than we think sometimes. And I think there is, and this is why I'm thinking about it recently is because I um, just watched the the loneliest whale. Oh. Yeah, and I've been wanting to watch it forever because I was like, Can you say what it is? It's a movie I believe on Amazon. I, um, that is about this whale that um makes sounds at a certain like fifty four hertz, and all other whales are at different hertz, so they they can't necessarily communicate. Mm. Um, spoiler alert: 
seems like there are actually other whales that will communicate with this whale and he's it was kind of this thing about how lonely he is or whatever or she um they thought of the story and and wrote the script before they they went and made the film probably they well yeah it was like a headline that <laughs> yeah. that's why they made the film based on that um but my point is you can't remember i can't remember <laughs> no what were we just talking about <laughs> the loneliest whale i don't know <laughs> We're all the loneliest whale. We all think no oh, one else oh, is oh, vibrating this. at our hurts, but they are, you know? <laughs> this is why. Um, so whaling was a really big thing, obviously, up mm. until very recently. Yeah. Um, and what really shifted the culture um, was this recording of the humpback whale songs that was put out on vinyl. Mm. And so people, for the first time, were able to hear on a vinyl record that became like a top bestseller that the humpback whale sings a song. Mm. And then there was something so, I don't know if the right word's humanizing, but um, about this whale population and kind of it, it influenced people. I mean, National Geographic, the most prints of an album there ever was, they put like a plastic insert of the humpback whale songs in, in every uh, magazine. So, so many households had this recording. And mm -hmm. listen to it. And that's where like Greenpeace then started and lots of protests. And they went from like, s they decreased from like 100%, say 100% to 3% whales being killed every year mm. in like the span of like a very short period of time. So it just makes me feel like, I don't know, maybe there's so many people and there's so much different opposition, but I gotta believe that like opposition and protest and taking a stand and and cha shifting cultural values and awareness has to do something there has to be it, some way of it definitely does and and it, again it just takes us back to what we started talking about the importance of why we do what we do that's our garden mm -hmm. what can we do we can show the humpback whale song of a drug addict of a yeah. cam girl yeah of a juggalo of a wook of a florida man and show like, oh, we should ex extend our compassion to that person. Their person too. I hear that. I hear their little 54 hertz or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but for real, that's that's what we can do. That that's that's what we're here to do. I know that. Yeah. Like I I know it. It's I'm not confused about what I'm here to do. I get can get bitter and enraged about it sometimes because it feels like I'm not in the financial position to do it as much as I want. But yeah. we're here to help people see each other and mm -hmm. see themselves in each other and make a more connected world out of that. And uh, it's a pleasure to get to do that. I think it's an honor. It's a big responsibility, too. It's a big responsibility because I think you have to continue to work on yourself in order to see the world in a certain way and not let that bitterness and resentment turn into um, something that's just not going to help people. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it helps. It doesn't help. What helps is, is get back to work. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to work and recognizing each other and spreading compassion. Spreading compassion is such a wonderful thing. Uh, I, I love, that's my favorite thing to do. And if somebody slips up around me and they're in my inner circle and they start fucking talking shit, they're going to hear it from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Because I think most likely when someone has talked shit, like... There's the the great example of, I don't even know if you were with me, but I was with a couple friends at lunch. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? With, the, with like, I'm getting a guy from my job fired and I'm going to make sure he doesn't get unemployment. Mm -hmm. And I, that really bothered me. And I wasn't trying to be mean, but I think I laid out a good case for why we should 
not yeah. treat people like that. And I think it might have shifted the consciousness of my two best friends. Yeah, kind of like because you were they were like he was he was personally got mad at this guy. Yeah. For probably justified reasons. Yeah, totally. You know. Yeah. And then, but to realize that, like, and kind of, like, resentful that the idea that he could be on unemployment or something. Like, yeah, fuck that. Like, nah, that ain't it, man. That ain't it. Taking shit away from other people, trying to ruin someone's livelihood. That's, like, that's not where it is. What's what's actually more interesting is to take a look at the part of yourself that wants to do that. And be like, and and recognize that. And recognize we all have that in us. But that resisting that part is really what being a human's all about. Mm-hmm. resisting doing that knee-jerk, fight-or-flight, fuck this motherfucker, I want to ruin their life thing that I spent my whole fucking teens and 20s in. I, I used to brag about revenge and how good... Me, me and my cousin Jesse... Uh, we <laughs> talked about this in the Bastards of Young podcast. Me and my cousin Jesse used to brag about how, how, how we could get someone back and we would fuck you up if you fucked with us. Suck our dicks to all our enemies. You know? <laughs> so, like... But we both have evolved a lot and it's taken different things. And I think for him, it was like losing his father and, and, and falling in love for the first time and now having kids. And like, for me, it was like smoking pot and taking (laughs) mushrooms and falling in love with you. And, you know, um, just transcending that, that layer where you're just a fucking whiny bitch, a little brat complaining, fucking petty revenge, all of this stuff. Very, very low frequency, low consciousness type of expressions, but you can evolve. I have. I used to be that person. That's you should listen to that podcast. If this part of me, if this part of the conversation interests you, go back and listen to that podcast I did with my cousin Jesse. I think it's like episode two fifty or two forty nine. Yeah, you guys should do more together. We're you gonna have we're plenty gonna do of more. stories. Yeah, we we could go on for him and I could have our own thing. Well, it's I mean, this is the co- a common saying, but it's uh anger is like drinking poison and expecting your, it to hurt your enemy yeah you know it's like and i remember reading somewhere that was like is it worth it to you to be mad like is it worth what it like about this thing yeah and once also, i realized like, it's hate, never hate, worth it <laughs> it's never worth it and and hating somebody means they won yeah and fuck that if i'm michael jordaning my shit no i'm not gonna hate anybody because that means you won you that means you got under my skin yeah. no one's getting under my skin like because my compassion's online. When my compassion's on, and everybody has it. This is not something, it's, it's there. It's just lying dormant. If, if, you know, if, if it's not presenting itself in your life, it's just lying dormant right now. But yeah, my compassion's online. And my compassion's online is because I've traveled the world talking to fucking freaks for years, connecting with them, vibing with them, becoming friends with people from all walks of life, and not just keeping myself, you know, protected and scared well, and leaning into those things. I think it's also you had a front row seat to this person that you love the most, your dad, like really uh, betraying you in so many ways. Yeah. And then seeing him uh, make a turnaround and like understanding yeah. that people can change and mm-hmm. that he wasn't doing that because he wanted to hurt you or he was no. against you. Like no, it he wasn't was, personal. I think, and I think that's the best thing that's happened in our society is that this deeper understanding and maybe you always had it but i think that a lot of us are waking up to this idea that people who are doing drugs it's not like a selfish uh just hedonistic um like they they don't give a fuck it's like they're medicating this experience and that you want to have compassion for people because uh it's not like they're doing it 
because of to hurt someone else. They're doing it to help themselves. I was so mad at my dad. You know, I hated him. I did. That's like probably the main person I can think of that I've ever harbored hatred towards is my dad. Because I thought he was ruining our lives. In a lot of ways, he was. Like, he was heavily addicted and running around, stealing everything from everyone and embarrassing me in ways that I, I, like, I could still get really cringe over. And stealing from me, like, I would go make $80 a week working at a deli and he'd steal it, you know, like, fucking crazy and but my mom stuck with him so said that she, she was trying to show us compassion it's not like she wasn't enraged it's not like she wasn't fucking <laughs> crazy but she didn't throw him out um because she knew who he really was and i didn't have the compassion because i didn't have enough data points mm-hmm. and as i stepped into adulthood the second i stepped into adulthood i said oh i get why people have to take drugs okay <laughs> god damn oh it all makes sense now. oh my god especially because like i come from my dad uh he's a very sensitive guy he's very sensitive soul and so am i i'm I'm very sensitive and um unless you figure out ways to work with that drugs are going to become very easy go-to because they just will make you a little less sensitive to the outside chitter chatter of of life and just yeah, it's like a Merkaba, I guess, in some way. It totally. You throw I, like, your I, drug Merkaba on and, like, what could fuck with you? Yeah, and that's probably why, like, addiction's not a big thing that I struggle with besides social media addiction. But it's, like, I feel like I'm kind of, like... You're in a hamster wheel. I'm going to fucking... Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, you're fine being in there, too. Like, it's when that's I say fine. that... I'm, no, 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 Cass. You know, when I say that, first of all, I'm taking that language from the birthday book, right? Isn't that... Or no, it's from some... It's something else, but yeah. It's something about your astrology. Some of, Sabian symbol yeah. that Mare showed me or yeah. something. But we all thought it was a really funny one, and I don't think it's a criticism. I think you're lucky. You're lucky because that's an inner, inner authority in a way. Mm-hmm. You, there's there's always something for you to do. You all, you're you not bored. You're not... You know, like, there's always something for you. Well, that's Whereas why I'm like, a little bit more floaty. I'm a little bit more... A uh, lot more fucking responsive to my environments and people's moods and stuff yeah. like that you're protected you're naturally protected yeah i'm like it's, it's why i need drugs in my way <laughs> it's, it's why i've needed drugs a little bit more than you you know it's why <laughs> totally. I, I did a dance with nicotine that you didn't like that you could take a pouch here and there and it didn't make a difference to well, you no, it, I need it, helped. All the time. it definitely helped when i felt like overextended or something yeah but you were never addicted to them yeah because i protect myself to get from over, being overextended or something yeah yeah you're, you're just very um you're a very conscious person and I had to develop those those things because I've had a really, really wild, crazy life. Yeah. A lot's been a lot of stimulation being thrown at me twenty four seven. Besides my dad using drugs. My household is insane without drugs. There's seizures. There's my sister dying. There's there's seizures. There's this person fighting. There's fucking two parents waking up and drinking six pots of coffee and just screaming and yelling all day like it, it's an extremely overstimulating thing for a sensitive person that like thank god i found pot like <laughs> i feel like that's my little that's my little merkaba my little protection and weirdly pot makes me more sensitive so so i think it makes me go in and through and i think it's why a lot of people hate pot because it, it brings to the surface all the stuff you may have been, been tamping down with uh coke and alcohol and work and fucking social media and all this yeah. stuff and you smoke pot and it all comes up to the surface and i feel like pot helps me navigate that stuff and go in and through it and continue to evolve and not stagnate but then it's good to do what we're doing now which is like take a break from it you know because we have to <laughs> or i'm just speaking about me you don't care about pot really you know 
Yeah, like I could probably care about it like once a month. Like mm. where I'd be like, oh, if I haven't smoked in like a few weeks, I'll be like, oh my god, I, uh, weed the would make everything. What am I doing? <laughs> everything would be brighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really the best. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you for uh, doing this podcast with me. Yeah, anytime. Mm, yeah. I, I really appreciate it. I know it's like uh, so, sometimes not our first idea or your, it's definitely not your first idea of something you would want to well, do. Well, this is the thing. Once I like really dived into like my astrology is like I'm a hamster on a wheel, I started to get really down about it because I was like, Jesus, it's true. It's so true. <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways it's helped me because like, it's a way to navigate letting you be on your own trip sometimes. It's like always feeling like I got my own trip. And like if you're not, I'm not that concerned with your trip. Like I can be a lot more like loose in our mm. relationship and energetically and not like as energetically possessive, I think. But um, damn, I was like, God damn, I'm on this wheel. Like it feels like it's never going to get easier or something. Mm-hmm. or that you know it's just like i'm trapped in a way of seeing things it's like i almost know too much about how my makeup works that i feel like oh uh, it's starting to all feel like one note but i think i just no, it's like a no one's one note okay nobody you know uh, like it, it, leave it to you to fucking think that about yourself after 34 beautiful years and all these friends and all this expression and all the the, the lives you've touched and the people that you've helped and you're not one note you're not one note no one is you're uh you contain multitudes yeah i try to remember that you thank are you. the universe you are all of its, its expressions yeah, everything you. is a reflection of you you are all of it you have a way of dealing with things that's hamster on the wheel yeah it kind of gets old one of the ways <laughs> yeah yeah it all gets old it all gets old that's why i just want to do the right thing and fucking get out of uh this the process of being born into a human form again and again you know that'd be I mean? awesome yeah yeah. That that's the one thing I got to download when I heard about this this shooting like it really shocked my system in a way and my first the my first words you were standing right there I was just like that dude just signed up to come back as every one of those kids that guy that killed all those kids it just signed up to come back as every one of them to come back as their grieving parents to come back as their grieving friends and family. like he just signed up for countless more passes of having to come back into this fucking thing and uh and do work and face your karma and uh that's the download I got I don't know how true that is I don't even know if that There's aligns no with know. any spiritual or or religious thing but in my heart that's what it felt like and that's why I try to be a good person because I feel like I'm going to have to deal with it from their perspective eventually yeah so Let's try to just be good to each other. Let's try to be nice. Let's try to tend to the part of the garden that we can tend to. Let's beautify our lives and just express love and compassion for each other and be living examples of that and not living examples of our political indoctrination. There's lots of ways to fucking deal with our grief, but I don't think fucking hot takes really help anyone. You know, this ain't a hot take. Shit's fucked up. We got to look at things. We got to look at things from a way more zoomed out perspective and stop dealing with things in such a whack-a-mole surface level way. You know, we can ban this and legislate that. 
You ain't going to legislate yourself out of a fucking crisis where a whole country is sick, where 100,000 people die of overdoses per year, where fucking 2.5 million people are behind bars and 600,000 people are out on the streets. You don't legislate yourself out of that. You change everything about the way you were doing things. You already forgot. <laughs> Let's do one more. <laughs> See you on the other side, y'all. Peace of love. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill.